0: Hey guys, welcome to the Far Flung Tin Can Podcast. I hope you're having an incredible day. So the last few weeks have been really, really special here for Far Flung. And the reason is because it is travel season and summer is where we do the majority of our missions traveling. And so we've had a few people that have been in different countries for an extended time. And I know Jeremy Carruthers was in Japan for three months, and you may have heard about that. Renee, she has been in Mozambique for, I think, about a month and a half now. And we are in Ecuador as I record this, and we've been here for about a week and a half, working on two. And Brian Lindsay, we just got back home from Thailand. So, and... Kyle is about to head back to Mozambique to spend some time with Celia, with another team. So this is definitely a busy, busy season, but we love, love, love that we get to do what we do. And the stories that are going to come out of this, of just testimonies of what the Lord has done and is doing around the world, I cannot wait to be able to hear those and share those. So be looking forward to some more content, just stories from the mission field we're going to be talking about. Extended time, what that's like. So we've got some more content coming your way. Anyhow, for now, let's listen in to Kyle and Celia as they do a deep dive in Celia's time in Africa. I believe the city can be transformed. You gotta be willing to take the initiative.
1: Well, this is a uh, first podcast that we've done like live in Africa. Gumbani. So this is exciting because we might have, if you're watching the video version, you're going to see a lot of just things happening behind us. I think we just missed all the chickens being slaughtered mm-hmm. and those would have picked up on the mics for sure. How many, do you know how many chickens they just took 67. out?
2: 67.
1: They just killed 67 just yes. now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's for what?
2: Uh, that is for the special event we're going to have with the kids uh, next Saturday.
1: That's going to be great. So we have church in a little bit, and we've just got this kind of hour before to sit and talk. And so who knows? People might. Celia is kind of the point person for everything. Even though you don't do everything, you're a little bit of the point person. So I have a feeling there's going to be a few times where someone comes up and they don't know what's happening, and they're going to (laughs) ask a question. They
2: were asking me if I was going to sing. So I'm not.
1: <laughs> Who was asking?
2: Uh, just Martha right now. She was asking if I, uh, I was going to sing.
1: <laughs> oh, because of the mic? Yes. No. So
2: I can be a point person for anything. They probably thought but they heard. Singing.
1: They thought they heard you singing, but it was them killing the chickens. <laughs>
2: uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, this is. We want this to be a little kind of a deep dive on on you and your work here. So we're gonna go all over the place, but tell tell us a little bit about why Africa how you got to this continent
2: um, well that I have to go back many many years ago as as, as many as like 21 years ago when I first graduated from Baba College I um, you know when you're graduating you're praying about what to do next in in my class, uh, we, uh, I graduated with two um, students from Guinea-Bissau, another country in West Africa. And, and they speak
1: Portuguese there, They right? speak
2: Portuguese as well, yes. So they were going back to their co- country to um, help uh, support an existing Bible school. And um, so their pastor came to... Uh, I'm from Brazil, and so I was studying in Brazil, and so I had these two, we had these two students. And so their pastor came to our um, Bible school graduation and, and uh, like pleaded us, the graduates, to please come to my country to help and uh, support our Bible school and teach and train our, our pastors, our people. So I, um, I responded to that call, and I started getting ready and prepared to go to Guinea-Bissau. In the process, when I was doing a missions training program uh, in Bolivia um, as a part of my um, uh, uh, as, as a part of the process of going to Guinea-Bissau, um, then uh, Heidi Baker, the leader of Iris Ministries, uh, asked one of our leaders of our church if uh, our church in Brazil would have a um, Brazilian missionary that could come and help because it was just after the floods a big massive floods that they had in the year 2000 and so that was 2001 and so then he contacted our missions director in Brazil and she contacted me in Bolivia and said hey um I know we're our plan is for you to go to Guinea-Bissau but would you consider instead of going to Guinea-Bissau go to Mozambique because the, the the need there is absolutely massive at the moment and um, I took three days to pray and I prayed about it and um, so I I felt uh, from the Lord so
1: you did you have a call to Africa?
2: I didn't have a call to Africa I do not have a call to Africa I do not have a call to any specific location my call is to serve the Lord wherever He 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 calls me to. So I do not have a geographic call. I am here now for 19 years working in Mozambique, but I could be anywhere, literally.
1: So you felt good about going to get an imbecile. Yes. Is there any part of you like, okay, well, I felt peace about going there, and now I have another opportunity. Was there anything about being torn, like...
2: No, the, the interesting, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting question because, uh, in deep in my heart, I responded the call to go to guinea mm-hmm. because I wanted to serve. Like I just said, I don't, right. I didn't have, I do not have a geographic, uh, call, a geographic, like a call. So, um, I, um. She's gonna pass in front of the it's Okay.
1: Mama can do whatever she wants. <laughs>
2: so I, uh, di- since I did not have a um, geographic location like call, I um, I responded that call, but I didn't. It's not that the Lord thundered in my ear saying go to Gniebsau. So. When I took those, when I in Bolivia, when I took those three days to, to, to pray about it, I actually felt more peace about coming to Mozambique than I ever felt about going to Guinea-Bissau. And in the process of preparing myself to go to Guinea-Bissau, I questioned. I was like, yeah, I know I responded the call the pastor asked and he pleaded us and, and, um, and I said, yes, um, but I mean, I would, mm. I would have gone, but I didn't have that deep inner confirmation. Mm-hmm. But when I prayed about Mozambique, it was like, I felt it.
1: You so. realize you're like blowing someone's mind because there's a lot of people that follow Farflung and love Celia and love the work of Celia and, They're hearing you say, I've been here for 19 years and I am not called to Mozambique. There's a lot of Americans right now. They're going to be like, I'm sorry. You've just spent 19 years of your life doing work somewhere. And you're saying that you did that and you don't have to be like summoned to Mozambique.
2: That's exactly what I'm saying, because this is exactly how I feel. I can serve anywhere in the world right now in this season of my life I feel that I am exactly where I am supposed to be I am doing exactly what I am supposed to be doing and nothing would fulfill more in my life than being here and doing what I'm doing and and this is exactly what I'm saying even though I just said that I don't feel like God picked me in my mom's womb and said I'm gonna send you to Mozambique so here's the thing, <laughs> if you have a heart to serve the Lord, He will use you wherever He wants to. Uh, the location, I, I, do, I would not like at this point in my life, to be honest, to be in America. At this point of my life, I would not like if I could choose, I, I would not like to be in Brazil. I would not like to be anywhere in the world. I am fulfilled and satisfied to be serving serving the Lord here right now where I am, because I know that this is where I am supposed to be now. But tomorrow I can be anywhere. And would I choose it? No. But when I was in Bolivia, I felt the same way, the exact same way I feel now. When I was in Bolivia, it was only six months, but I would walk through the fields of... um, of like the plantation of peach and maize and, and 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 whatever else, and I was in a in a rural area as I am here now too, and uh, I felt so fulfilled to be there, and I felt I am exactly where I am supposed to be, right now. But the day I left, I left. So was I called to be in Bolivia? I was called to serve the Lord at that season of my life in that location, but not for the rest of my life. So I'm in Mozambique and I have a platform of Mozambican citizenship. I want it. I have no plan, no, no, no time frame to leave. But what I'm saying, yes, I'm not called exactly f- to Mozambique. I'm called to serve the Lord wherever he wants me to.
1: There's a lot of people that, have, that need the security. Knowing that it's not their choice. The, Sorry,
2: I don't understand. They I don't need mean the divine
1: sh- will of God because they don't want to make a mistake.
2: Well, for me, for me, that's the thing. The mistake is to be outside His will. That's the mistake. When I was in Bolivia, I was asked, I was interviewed by a college, um, university student. She was doing a research for uh, one of her papers. So she asked me, "Um, so where do you see yourself in five years? And she was not a believer. And I thought, I mean, I answered according to what I had in my heart, but I thought it's hard for someone, like you said, that needs security, that needs to grab on, like to hold on to something to, because when she asked me that question, I thought, I don't know. And I don't want to know. I want to be in five years. Um, I want to be where God wants me to be. And up until that point, I did not know where God wanted me to be in five years from that point on. And I was in Mozambique after that, like the the, the five years after that. But then I didn't know. And I was okay with that as long as I felt that I was in God's will. For me, the mistake then is to be outside of His will. That's that's how I feel.
1: Mm-hmm. So you get here, you work with Iris for 13?
2: thirteen years. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's a little bit when, uh, as you're transitioning out, um, you start tell us about how you met Mama.
2: So, um, I was sent by the Church of God in Brazil and, um, they didn't yet had a established connection, uh, communication with the Church of God in Mozambique, although the Church of God in Mozambique was established for many years. So then I came to work with Iris ministries, but also to, um, make that connection, uh, between the Church of God, uh, in Brazil and the Church of God in Mozambique. So... In doing that, I met the national overseer, uh, which then was Mama Maria's husband. And so they took me in, welcomed me into the country as a missionary to the church. And uh, for about um, two years, they were like, mm-hmm, just watching me because they had had bad experiences with uh, foreign missionaries. And so they they just just watched me. They were like, probably like looking where I was going and what was my intentions. And so after two years, I, um, the Church of God in Brazil helped me to get a car because up until that point, I, I just walked around. Um, I went on public transportation. And so then when I got my first car, I basically became the chauffeur of Pastor Raimundo Civi, which was the, the national overseer. And by doing that, I mean, it, I was just their driver in my car. I'll go pick him up, take him places where he went to. Uh, he went to preach, talk him like to other uh, provinces, other places, took him to uh, do wedding celebrations in other places. And so in that, then they really got to know me. And that's when they really opened up. And I asked Mama Maria to come to Gumbani with her. Back then, in this whole community, in this whole area, there was only one block house. All of the houses here were thatch roof houses, um, were uh, houses um, what they call like of um, temporary material. That's like reed material. Uh, so then I came with her and I just Fell in love with this community, and I, I really, really wanted to make a difference, because there was absolutely nothing. It, to this day, there is no electricity, there is no water, running water. So I just wanted to make a difference in this community. But basically, this is how how we met. And
1: um, how would you describe her?
2: She is a a, a mighty prayer warrior. She. Uh, fasts and prays like nobody else. When she came to this community and and um, some people heard that she had intention to open a church, they said, you know you're going to be killed, right? Because the witches in the community are going to kill you. And she said, well, if I die, I die. But I'm not going to stop um doing what I know I feel the Lord wants me to do. If I die, I die. And thankfully she didn't die so far.
1: <laughs> and so we meet, and we've talked about the some in the film, just a random, well, I shouldn't say random, but a pastor comes into our coffee shop at the time and asks, what do you got going on? And I kind of give him a generic, oh yeah, we're working on some different projects. And he's like, no, but specifically, he asked again, what do you have? What are you working on right now? I said so we're trying to figure out who our next missionary is that we're going to partner alongside. And he's like, you need to work with Celia Mendez in Mozambique. She's Brazilian. And I was like, okay, so tell me about it. He tells me a little bit about the orphanage over there, Iris. Didn't know what Iris was. Tells me um, a little bit about the community here, I think. That's it. He leaves. And I sent you a Facebook message. You had one friend request left because you're so popular. (laughs) Yeah, For whatever reason, it felt like, okay, this is the person for the spot. And I sent you a message and said, this is what we do. I watched one video of yours on Facebook of you like driving to Gumbani. This is how we do this and all that. And I was just like, she just feels like far flung. She feels like a fit. And... So then I'm on my way to retreat. And I was like, I need to talk to this person on the phone. So I call you on my way to a far-flung retreat. And you're standing.
2: By the tree.
1: By this tree behind us, if you're watching the video podcast. And you one of the things you said, oh, I'm looking up at the stars. And that's yeah. one of the things you have to see the stars here in Mozambique. And even so now, like, it's a little different now. The ambient light from the city is getting brighter and brighter. Yeah. Even from a few years ago. So I came and that wasn't while you were in transition mm-hmm. from you're coming here on the weekends. You had already established the church. You already had three classrooms here. You had some of this house here. Yeah. You had some water towers. You'd already done a lot of work here. Um, But you were transitioning out of the orphanage at Iris and mm. to just doing this. And that's just, I love that we got to come and, and, and in that bit vi- in that film we we told the story of how you, you know what you've done the last few years and and we kind of left it on this is what's on the horizon and now we're here 6 years later wow and so much she has you know a feeding project cuz they're feeding kids how many days a week
2: oh every uh, from Tuesday to Saturday
1: and they have how many church services a, a week right now <laughs> uh,
2: about 10 all together, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then they've got a sewing project, and they have water delivery program, and now they have chickens that they're feeding uh, to everyone, and just and they're you're building a bigger church that's twice the size of the church they're in right now. We're uh, in the new guest house right now. All these things. What is the point of like? W- at what point do you just? sustain and you don't grow what do you what needs to be here you finish the church you you i don't know maybe you build a a couple more classrooms i don't know um you got enough chickens at what point or does the thought of that just be like that's boring where you just go (laughs) okay it's all built the flowers are here, the trees, everything's running. Now we just sustain it and, and feed more and more kids. Is there a point? Um, I'm not sure
2: <laughs> because the vision is huge. I won't say my vision, actually, to be honest, but God's vision for this place. Because the promises he has released over this place, um, go beyond what I can even imagine. He has not given all the details, but he has mentioned things like the nations will come here and will get healing from this place. The nations will come here and take the fire from this place that, uh, water from this place will spread out throughout the world so whatever that looks like whatever that may be like whatever that will need for that to take place i don't know i just know that um i don't know <laughs> i just know that i don't know because um it's it's uh, and uh recently one of the The last things like of of this uh, dimension that God spoke to me, he said, I will not tell you all of it now. And this is just a few months ago where like he disclosed this massive prophetic word uh, almost audibly. And I I wrote as fast as I could because I didn't want to miss any word. And he said, and what I am to do, I am not going to tell you everything now because you are going to tell me that you're not capable but it's not about you, it's about what I want to do. And so I don't know where we stop. Maybe we won't stop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can see you get to the point where there's no more buildings and that's when you say, well, we need to mirror this in another village.
2: Well, um, even so now I like, because one thing that I have in my heart is that I do not want to build an empire meaning that I do not want to build something to be so comfortable and say, ah, oh, this is good. Like the Bible says, uh, okay, like now soul of mine, look and drink and eat and then just rest. I don't ever see myself doing that or thinking that way or getting that kind of rest. So right now I, we, I share from what we have uh, because I feel like, It can't be one location. It can't be one group of kids. It can't be one church to have a blessing. Like people that know me, um, they may invest in this, And I feel like it can't be just where I am. So right now we're extending to another church that they started. I watched that church for two years. And I, have, I had on my heart, the day they start working with kids, the day they start, I don't want to make them start so they won't be doing something based on the help they get. But the day they start, I will share some of what we have and then I'll give them. And so this year they started working with kids. And mm-hmm. so I watched them for months. So after six weeks, I called the pastor. I said, no, we're going to help you. They have about 100 kids every Saturday. Hmm. And so so even yesterday I sent him. It's not much um, because we, we don't have that much either. But a little bit of what we have, I am sharing with another church that is doing Was some. he
1: surprised?
2: He was, sh- yes, he was shocked that I would even look outside of what mm-hmm. we are doing.
1: Because it's not to your best interest no. to, to help him.
2: We gain nothing from that. Like we don't gain name or it's just it's kind of the, the name kids. of the
1: business we're in. Doing a lot of things that don't we don't benefit from.
2: And as a matter of fact, no one knows this but like now you all know, but mm. no one knew that. Except of course, um my leadership team.
1: Um but what, that
2: I had that on my heart.
1: Of all the things, there's a lot of there's a lot of frustrations as well, but there's a lot of fruit that happens here and all of these beautiful what what's the thing that that lights you up the most when that you see happen here
2: uh, it's when i see the kids praying like today i had a really 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 extremely busy day and and with some frustrations hmm. from many different areas um, but then i walked into the church and the kids were there And I get those glimpses, those moments of of deep joy and satisfaction. That's when, like, okay, I had frustrations in this certain area. And then I walk in and see the kids praying. And then I'm like, okay, this is worth it. So these are the highlights of my days, although I do not work anymore directly with the kids as in like teaching them, dancing with them, singing with them, teaching them how to pray. I have a team that does that, um, but I am behind the team. I am the mind behind it with the vision and the purpose. And, the, and so when I see that happening, I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that satisfies my heart.
1: Did you think when I messaged you on Facebook, or, or at least the first time I said, we're coming to do a film. Did you think that the relationship with Far Flung and you would be, could you imagine that it would be what it is now?
2: Absolutely not. Because over the years, many people have promised things and I, I learned how to listen and wait and never mm-hmm. count on it until I see it on my hand or I, until I see it happening. And so I listened, I thought, well, this is interesting. Um, you asked me to watch the videos, so I watched some of it. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, but I'm like, okay, I'm listening, I'm watching, and I'm waiting. And it happened, and it keeps on growing and happening, and I'm so humbled by if, if, um, if we have come only, only, up to this point, I would have already been uh, beyond grateful. And in my, my in, in, even in my wildest imaginations, I would not have come to this far. Mm-hmm. And so, and it keeps growing, it keeps going, and I am grateful and humbled by it.
1: That listening and waiting is something that I'm always juggling. Because I've had a lot of people... As I'm fundraising and I'm doing things, I've had a lot of people that promise you something big. Yeah. And then, you know, the first for a while there, when you get promised something big, you get so excited. You tell everybody, you, oh, this is happening. And then when it falls through, it's just, it's just a gut punch. Yeah. But so then so then you start going. I go, I, I always try to find the balancing act between having childlike. Faith every time someone says they want to help
0: mm-hmm. and just
1: believe that, you know, even if they promise something crazy, it's like, yes. But then I want to protect my heart. And then yeah. so then I got a teeter on. We'll see. Yes. You know, and I, sometimes I get that we'll see attitude. Someone tells me something that they really want to do and help. And I don't know is, it, is it if it's a lack of faith or if it's protection or maybe I should just believe everybody that tells me they want to help. Do you struggle with that at all? Or do you just kind uh, of turn I it myself, off?
2: I, I, I don't struggle with it at all. I honestly, I have learned to, to just listen, not despise it. Mm-hmm. Not despise it. You, mm-hmm. you said, um, we are coming. I said, okay, great. yeah, Yeah, you are welcome here. So, I mean, I didn't despise your promise, but I didn't count on it until it happened. Mm-hmm. Now, when God promises something, mm-hmm. then I'm all in and I, I fully believe and I, I, my waiting is different. My waiting for, for God's promise is His timing. When God promises something, like I just mentioned about some of His promises, I am just waiting for His time. When a human being promises me something, I wait with a different attitude. I'm like, oh, well, it may happen. It may not happen. But when God promises, I know it will happen. It's just a matter of timing. Um, I don't know. I never had put much thought into it. But since you're asking, uh, I mean, for me, it's not like a faith. It's just because I have been, I won't even say I have been burned by these. But um, like people promise the. You see, I don't know if you can see behind me a truck. That's a water truck. Um, we have, I have had people promising, oh, this is so great before we had a truck. Oh, this is so great. We want to help you with a, with a truck. I, I had someone say like, I will buy you a water truck. And I came back and I told Vicente, I said, we are getting a water truck. And it never happened. And so what it does though is sometimes, depending on who you work with, you get their expectations and hopes up and it does not happen. And people may think that you got the money and you, as they mm-hmm. say here, that you ate the money as, mm-hmm. a, as a saying <laughs> here in Mozambique. And so then how do you justify? I have had people come here to Gumbani and say, we are going to uh, help the school. And they got the principal of the school. They got the teachers from the school and said, we're going to help the school. And these people turned their backs and left and never sent a cent. So what would they think? They're not believers. And this is here's this person, white missionary. Maybe she got the money and she kept for herself. And so then I learned to not get excited, to not share promises from people until it happens. So for me, it's not lack of faith. It's just, to me, it's wisdom.
1: You coming here, mama coming here, both single women no problem completely received
2: uh we we are uh, completely received um but we have heard not not so much now but we in the past we have heard like oh that's the church of the ladies you know (laughs) because we had ladies and we were ladies and we had ladies and most of the church were ladies and children (laughs) And so we barely had any men. So we did some praying fasting and we called the men in in the spirit. I'm like, I call the drunkard. I called the, the drug addict, I called them. I call them in the spirit. You come here. Because the men are, of course, in every culture, they're like key, they're one of the pillars. And so now we have many men in our leadership and uh, still we are uh, three women pastor in the church. And we have uh, our assistant. He's not a pastor yet. And our worship worship leader. He fulfills a very important role. But he's not a pastor yet. But I don't think that's a problem anymore. I mean, it has never been a problem. Um, it it was just a point. The,
1: the feeding program. How important is the feeding program as far as these kids? Do they they need to be fed five days a week?
2: Um, so... Uh, one of the things that tell me how important is our feeding program is is when we have a kid and we have that happen very often. We have a kid that come in uh, and they say, oh, "I've got a headache," or but mostly they say, uh, "My stomach hurt." And so in the beginning, we we didn't know what that could be, so then we would give them a little time. Uh, tummies, you know, those like, um, thumbs, yeah, we would give them, we would give them some thumbs. Um, but then, um, uh, our teachers just thought, okay, let's go to the kitchen. And so then they would, um, ask for a plate of food before time. And so then they noticed that every time they did that, the kid within like half an hour or 40 minutes. They would just be normal and play in the classroom. (laughs) And so then we started seeing the pattern in that. I have a headache or have a stomach pain, ache. But then when they ate, no headache, no stomach ache. And so now whenever we have a kid that come with those symptoms, we know that's hunger. And so then they learn now how to ask, so did you eat last night? And so often, most cases, if not 99% of the cases, they say, no, I didn't eat. And they would say, oh, I ate yesterday here. Or if it's a Tuesday, then they would be eaten, maybe, I don't know, Saturday or Sunday. That's a kid, like little kids. And so that's not the case for all the children, but that's the case for many children. And, And Mozambicans are, they are really, they have pride. You know, and they're not like they're gonna not gonna say I don't have food in my house. Um, they keep it to themselves. But then that's how we know how important to feed these children is.
1: Hmm. And so, how, uh, on average, you're feeding how many kids?
2: Oh, uh, we feed every day. We feed two hundred and fifty kids every day, and on Saturdays. Uh, maybe it may be three hundred or five hundred. Like last Saturday, yeah.
1: they heard that the Malongos were here. <laughs> the whites are here.
2: Valongo. They heard that the Valongo is here. The whites are here, so they wanted to see the Valongo.
1: <laughs> Everybody that comes here, they talk about yeah. seeing the kids pray. You just talked about seeing the kids pray. Now, yeah. there's you know nurture versus nature. They are not just by nature good prayers, right?
2: No, they're taught.
1: How is that taught? I've seen. I've never seen kids pray like that.
2: Um. So I believe that you teach by showing. And so we pray, and the kids see us pray, and and we don't hide. Uh, I mean, when we pray, we pray. And I have uh, this little seven years old. So we were doing this um, call for people that wanted to serve. In, in in different ministries in the church. And so there we had intercession ministry. And then the seven years old went back and said, and I mean, it was for adults. And then she went home and said, Mama, I'm going to give my name to the intercession team. I want to be an intercessor. She's seven. I was so blessed by that because she doesn't miss any service. And sometimes she doesn't even go to the, to the children's classroom. She wants to be with the adults and she is praying. And so... It's, it's a natural result. We pray, the kids pray. We fast. I mean, they fast. The, the families here teach, them, I mean, they fast. Uh, every Friday, it's a fasting day. We fast. And so then some families then make their kids fast too. <laughs> and so we teach them by showing them how.
1: You also teach them that they're not, quote unquote, poor.
2: Yes. That's what I... I um, so... Generally, in Africa, there, there is this, um, I guess, by history, by the colonialism that took place um, years ago, um, many Africans have the mentality of, I am poor, I am supposed to be given. I cannot give, even among themselves. So if one of them is a little better off than the other, will keep their money even if he's hungry, but if they're out in the city or something, they will wait for the other one that has a little more to pay for a soda, for a drink for him, even if he has money because I won't pay for him because he has more than I do. So he owes to pay for me. And um, and so this is a, a almost a, like a mentality, a mentality. At least I will speak for Mozambique because I don't want to generalize Africa as more than 50 countries, but it is something I've seen in other countries too. So in my church, in here, I say, uh, that is something that I want to break from people's mind. I'm like, you are not so poor that you cannot give something. And you are not poor because poor, poverty is in the mind. Poverty is a mindset. Do you have two legs? Can you breathe? Do you have two arms? Even if you don't have two legs, but if you have a a working heart, you can always do something. And little by little, little by little, I feel like some people are having... It's it's hard, especially with adults. With kids, we're like... um, like trying to form, to, to form is easier than to transform. So mm-hmm. the kids were trying to form a different mentality in them. The adults were trying to transform and break that poverty mm-hmm. mentality. But I am happy to see that it, it's getting across. It's it's getting into their hearts. Um, I, get, I can give so many examples, but one is I had this lady that she had bought a toilet, a toilet for her house in the hope that one day, she will build an inside bathroom. So she had that toilet for eight years. And in eight years, she did not have a means to build an indoor bathroom. And after one of my sermons here, she said, Pastor, I decided I went home and I said, I'm going to use that toilet. And so she built an outside, that's all she could. Do She built an outside bathroom with a, an inside toilet. <laughs> and so she said, thank you so much for your teachings and, and things like that. Um, so, yes, my people are not poor. There are people out there that are rich financially, but they're very poor in their hearts. And my people, they're not poor.
1: What's the, is that the main, if you, I know you have many messages, but is that the main message? to the church here? What is the main message? Is it presence? Is it prayer? Is it that you or is it self value? What do you think that you end up over a year preaching the most?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, like you just said, there are many things. uh, But this is definitely one of the biggest like, key messages that I speak more often. It's not that I preach uh, specific messages about this, but this is almost in all my messages. Mm-hmm. Another thing is God's glory. Seeking God's glory, I believe that um, God's power is manifested where there is a need. But God's glory, He manifests. He lets His glory to show His glory. He lets His glory to be shown where He's pleased with us. So I always teach the church that I preach a lot that. Um, where there is sin, we can't please God when we are in sin. But if we are clean, um, it's like naturally we'll attract His presence and the hunger in our hearts for His presence. So God's glory, I love, I desire it. I, I want it with all my heart and I think I, I share it with the church. So yeah, God's glory attracting God's glory is one of the biggest thing but like not having a poverty mentality is in it's present in almost every sermon I preach as well as well as other things like prayer fasting but i, I would say these two things are like top list.
1: Do you think that you've seen the most of God's glory that you'll see or do you think that there's another notch that you're going to
2: Oh my goodness, I, I don't think I have seen anything of God's glory. We have seen a lot for our human minds. But in I know in my spirit that I have, this is, we have, we have seen a lot of what we would consider if we could measure according to our human understanding. But in my spirit, I know that we haven't seen anything yet. And one of the biggest desires of my heart is to know how much God can do through a life that is fully devoted to Him. And I look at myself and I say, I want to be that fully devoted heart to God. And I... Desire to see on the earth how much God can do through a life that's fully devoted to Him, and and I keep I try to give more of myself every day to see if one day I will be fully, fully devoted to Him <laughs> to see what He can do through so uh, a person like me, like somebody like a uh, an ordinary person that is just fully devoted to Him.
1: We are kind of on a little four-day break. We just had a team here. Awesome trip, a church trip. Uh, 18 people on that team. And then we have 13 coming. Visas. I mean, we were praying. I think you had more faith than I did that these visas were coming. Yeah, yeah. But everybody's getting their visas right now, like FedExed. Yes. They're all getting their visas in the next couple hours. And then tomorrow they start flying here. Yes. Uh, we're going to go home. And then three weeks later, we're coming back with another team. Um, why do you like bringing teams? It's stressful. It's not a break. A lot of people think like when you bring a team to visit a missionary that it's it's a blessing to the missionary. There are blessings to the people, but it's stressful for the missionary. <laughs> it's a lot of work. You don't get yes. a break yes. when they' but what is the value of bringing teams?
2: Um, for me, the value of having a team, um, like you just said, you nailed it. it it, it blesses the people. And, but I have been asked, would it not be more fruitful if all this money (laughs) of 18 tickets and all the logistics and all Mm -hmm. the visa money and all the, you know, uh, we're not paying accommodation Mm -hmm. anymore, but like accommodation money and food money, whatever, whatever. whatever. I mean, we could like turn this community upside down. Um, But for me... Having the team is not about us, honestly, honestly, in, in like true honesty. Having the teams is about the team. Yeah. It's about how how much they can be touched by God and how much their lives can be transformed um, in a five-day trip. I got a text today from one of the team members saying mm. that... Um, She was so deeply impacted that she cannot take Gumbani out of her mind. She woke up at three and she had been praying and having visions from the Lord. Her life was completely transformed. And so for me, having the team is not about us. Like I said, it's a lot of work. Um, But having the team is about the team and how much God um, will touch them in part something in their lives. And, and also for me, specifically in this setting, this location, in this ministry is about what God said, that the nations would come here and mm-hmm. take whatever we had here to back to the nations. So,
1: I've heard that argument a lot too. Why wouldn't it be so much beneficial if people sent the money? The, the thing is that people are not sending $2,000 at a time. People are not saying, you know what? I'm not going to go on a missions trip. I'm going to send you $2,000. Right. So It's not money that you would have if the team didn't come. Right. That money just goes to Starbucks and Olive Garden. Yeah. So it's not like we're saying.
2: <laughs> and and also for me, it's like people would not be touched uh, by watching a, a a video of us. Or uh, seeing, uh, reading a book, or uh, seeing pictures in a magazine, people would not be touched the same way. There is no comparison mm-hmm. like being here, feeling this, this smelling the smell, feeling the cold, sleeping on the on the floor, or walking under the stars, or or bathing in, in like an outside bathrooms in a bucket shower. Um, it's there. I we 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 can try. But we'll never be able to describe what it really is like.
1: We added, uh, to my caution, we added something to this last trip. We're doing the next trip and the next trip of everybody stays the night in groups of two. in mm-hmm. one of your volunteers or leaders in your church's house. Yeah. And we tried it out last week and just like, hopefully this goes well. And everybody came back like that was that was the impact. Yes. Like I asked a lot of them the last night. That was the biggest impact for most of them. Wow. And but I asked you this question. Wh- why? Because we're staying in these homes, black homes, and they're warming up water for our bucket showers. And they're yeah. giving us our bed, their bed. Yeah. And they're sleeping on the floor in the living room. Yeah. They're cooking for us the little bit of food. You said they had to save up yes. to feed us. The food that they could, it was rice and chicken and yuca
2: That they don't have every day. They
1: don't have. They made mm-hmm. a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. We're sitting at their table and they're sitting on the floor because we can't get them to eat with us.
2: And there were not enough chairs for everybody. And we're, and
1: we're like, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. And we're here to serve you. And we're sitting at the table and sleeping in your bed and you're on the floor. Why? And I asked you, why? And, and you have a list. Three times as long as you need. The People that want to host us. Why did they want to host us?
2: Because it is an honor to have a a guest. They say that a a house that is not visited, it's not a blessed house. It's not like a a idiomatic translation for that would be, it's not a house that respected. Because um, to have a guest means that you are important because someone would, care much would care so much to go and visit you at your house especially like spend a night it's a big thing and eat your food the one one of the things that most of them said oh these people my people said about the team visiting said oh these people they're so humble and simple they ate what we offered them they ate our food that's so important for them like having someone at their house especially of a higher class, you know, economic class, like in quotes, um, higher, you know, more important people than they would feel that, like about themselves and say, they're staying at my house. It's a big thing. It's like, oh, wow. I am important because I'm hosting you.
1: It was such a, it was a, a, a very special thing. And we're going to be doing it again in yes. just a few nights and, I think it's going to be a staple of the trips. It's just.
2: Yeah. It's and so it. And,
1: it, and it also one thing that's important to me on these trips, I don't want people to come on trips and a lot of them come on trips thinking, okay, we have a project that people are our project. We're going to mm-hmm. save them or we're going to better their lives. Or we're going to, we, I, I've got to come and do something important. We do want our trips to feel important, but we, you get, you come in with a mentality of us to you, right? I'm, we're mm-hmm. going to do this for you. Mm-hmm. And we have found that it is so much more beneficial and 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 special when it, you removed us and you. Yes. And it's just relationship. Yes. And that I, I need you. I need Mama Maria. I need the cooks. I need mm-hmm. them in my life. Mm-hmm. And they need me in their life. Mm-hmm. And we become friends. And so many of them that left the house they're like I felt like I left a friend's house yes. it it, t- it 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 broke off the label yes. of them yes and we became part of them
2: yes um like I said uh, to the first team um when people come and well you you already said that when people come and see the people as all oh, oh, the poor people of Africa and um this this project and so it 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 uh it puts up a barrier it's no one sees it it's it's an invisible barrier but it's like a psychological barrier it's like in some ways oh it's never said it's maybe never consciously thought of but it is in there the you know, the, it's subjective, but like the, the, the thought that I am better than you because I am coming to help you. I'm coming to give you something. So therefore I'm, I'm somewhat better. I'm, I'm doing this for you kind of thing. But when you're with them, walking with them, going to their house, it's like, oh, oh, actually, yeah, no, you're, I mean, yes. So you have less than I do, but you are a person. You are someone I can have a relationship with. Same way about uh, from our people to 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 the foreigners. Like, oh, they're not a bank. They're not mm-hmm. like the whites that can give us stuff. They're actually people that I can relate with. I can be friends with. I can have a picture and, and tra- treasure that because all Manokao has been in my house. He's my friend, and keep on like talking on whatever uh, communication uh, you choose to, and like um, it's it's like a relationship. It breaks off that barrier of we are a project, and you are the helpers. Mm-hmm. So we are less, and you are more because you are coming to help. And actually, we we could use it, even change the we could even change the word instead of helping like cooperate, collaborate mm-hmm. to do. You something. have
1: problems, and I have solutions. Right. No.
2: Yeah. No, and honestly, like money is not the solution for everything. When people come with that mentality, okay, you poor, I have, I will, no, money is not the solution for everything. And so, but uh, the relationship opens up solutions that money cannot bring.
1: Well, I'm going to let you get ready for church. (laughs) Let's
2: get ready for church.
1: (laughs) But um, thanks so much for doing this. It's a busy week. This is like the least busy, but still busy day. Yes, but we've been wanting. This was like on a must list. We had to get this interview. Thank you for
2: the opportunity to expose Africa in a different perspective, I'd say, and uh, open up our ministry so people can have a better understanding of what we do and how we do it.
1: Celia wants you to come to Gumbani. We have opportunities for you to come to Gumbani. Go to farflingtincan.com. Sign up for a Mozambique trip. Uh, or go to farflungtinkin.com and click Mozambique and give. Either way, connect mm-hmm. and, and be a part of what's happening. Thanks for listening.